right, well, welcome to the All In Podcast. Pastor Tim Aiken here at First Baptist Douglasville and uh, joined by a special guest this morning uh, on the podcast, my brother, uh, Dr. Jonathan Aiken. I'll give him an introduction here in just a second, but just as a reminder, uh, this year we are doing this podcast, we're calling it All In because the focus of our church for all of 2021 is that we want to be a church that's committed to going all in with Jesus, his church, and his mission. And one of the ways that we go all in is we go all in with our correct theology. And so what we're doing in this session, in this segment, for the next several weeks on the All In podcast is what does it look like to go all in doctrinally, biblically, theologically on the foundational teachings of the Christian faith. And so today we're going to be talking in a moment about the doctrine of Christ. Before we do that, let me give a introduction to my brother Jonathan. So I have three older brothers. The two oldest are twins. And so John is technically the younger of the twins. And uh, so it's Nathan and Jonathan. Jonathan is just three three minutes younger than Nathan. But uh, Jonathan, uh, technically Dr. John Aiken, has a PhD in Old Testament from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He really is an expert uh, in the Old Testament, especially the wisdom literature, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, those those books of the Bible has written some books as well. Currently serves with the North American Mission Board or NAM for short, doing lots for them, but specifically doing lots of leadership development for them, working with pastors and, and their churches. And then prior to that, uh, served for several years, over well over a decade as a pastor at, at two different churches and then currently serves right now as interim pastor at First Baptist Church in Naples, Florida. And he and his wife, Ashley, uh, have three wonderful kids, uh, Maddie, Emma Grace, E.G., as we call her, and little Judson. So we're, uh, John, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're on here. It's great to be with you. Excited. Uh, You are dressed a little bit nicer than than Dad was. Yeah, and you're wearing your and you're wearing your rep in your company, the uh, uh, yeah. man. Uh, for those of you that watched last week, my dad for all the episodes I did with him had a, a hoodie on and sweatpants, and so uh, John is a little bit nicer today, but had a good time with dad. And what we covered with dad, uh, in case you guys have missed those, you can go back and watch or listen to all the podcasts. We've covered the doctrine of the Bible, doctrine of God, and then we did doctrine of humanity and doctrine of sin together. And those are good good podcasts. I encourage you guys to go back. And look at those. So all right, let's let's jump in uh, today to the doctrine of Christ, doctrine of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's called Christology. So the study of Christ, study of Jesus. So I'm just going to jump in again, ask John some questions uh, this evening. So John, throughout history, especially the last 2,000 years, there's been a lot written. There's been a lot taught. There's been a lot said about this man that we know of as Jesus Christ. And out of this has arisen many what I would just call misconceptions. Uh, so what are some of the, if you were to kind of narrow it down historically, but even also contemporarily, like today, what are some of the common misconceptions that we hear regarding uh, the person and the work of Jesus? Well, there's been a lot of um, Christological errors or controversies. Uh, and, and I mean, for those who want to dig in, they could go back and get some of the specifics of, you know, Arianism, docetism, all those different things. Uh, but so, so historically there was just this wrestling with, um, how do we understand that 
Jesus is the son of God, uh, that he's a man, but he's also God. So that, so that was kind of some of the real um, struggle early on was you had uh, one of the classic errors, uh, heresies was Arianism, which it does have a contemporary counterpart in Jehovah's Witness theology, where they, they said that God, Arian said that God was, uh, that Jesus was uh, created, was a created being. So he was the first being that, that God, the father created, created his son. Uh, and so that, so his, his uh, tagline was, there was a time when the son was not. And so he's, he's saying Jesus is not eternal. Uh, the son of God is not eternal. And so that was a, that was a, um, a, a big controversy fight that happened early on, uh, the council of Nicaea, uh, where you had different, um, leaders, uh, who would, uh, who basically confronted that heresy and, and they kind of, the church through those controversies formulates what we know of as the doctrine of, of Christ today. So they, they, they affirm no Christ is eternal, that the son of God is eternal. There was, there was, he's always existed. Um, and then there were other, there were other heresies early on that would, again, how do you understand? So, so basically from Nicaea through Chalcedon, you had the formulation of Jesus uh, Christ is fully God, fully man, what's called the hypostatic union. That's a big fancy theological term, uh, fully God, fully man. And so all of the different controversies early on were wrestling with how do you have this one person in the two natures? You have, you have one person, Jesus, uh, divine nature, human nature. How do you, and so there were some who were the, the, divine nature would kind of overpower and uh kind of be dominant it, it was kind of like um if you if you think about the uh, comic the hulk it was like that people thought you know that that, that jesus could kind of just flip you know the switch and he could go back and forth like okay now i'm the hulk and i can do these superhuman things and i'm, I'm divine and now go back okay now i'm human and i'm and i'm tired and i can weep and i need to eat and like, and so thought it was just kind of this thing that he could flip on and off, whereas the, the, the divine nature was kind of more dominant and then others with the, the, the human nature was kind of more dominant. And so through that, the church kind of formulated and said, no, no, he, he's fully God, fully man, uh, two natures, one person, hypostatic union. And those are things that, that are not easy to understand, but that we have to hold together. In the same way, y'all have already covered the doctrine of the Bible. Um, is the same kind of thing when we think about Jesus being the word, that the, the, the Bible is God's word. It's also a human, it's also written by humans, you know, and so it's, it's a fully human book. It's also, it's also a divine book and it's the, it's the word of God. And how do you understand that? You know, uh, don't know how to work out all the particulars, but that's kind of what the church, the church laid down is like, this is what scripture teaches us. And we've got to hold these things together. And then historically some of the contemporary errors about jesus have been more towards um i think towards the towards the human side the the, the um you have like post enlightenment you have uh the different jesus quests uh quests for historical jesus where jesus basically became uh, a good person who taught good things but not necessarily the divine son of god and that um, you know, he was, he was a, he was a do-gooder who taught the golden rule 
And, uh, and so, and so I think in the church, so I think you have some of that today, um, where Jesus people like even unbelievers respect Jesus. They think he was a good person and he loved everybody and he taught you to do nice things. Uh, but even in the church, I think sometimes we can, we can run the risk of erring towards like overplaying his divine nature where we think like, I think people struggle with the fact that he was born as a baby. Like I was reading one author like a year ago, and I think people would be troubled by this, but like when he was born as a baby, he didn't know how to speak English, let alone Aramaic. Like he, just like we have to be taught right. to speak a language. Jesus had to learn how to speak Aramaic and he had to learn Hebrew and he had to, he had to learn these things. And he, he actually grew in wisdom and in stature. I mean, he grew, taller he grew in 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 knowledge and those kinds of things um and so how do those things work out we don't know exactly but you got to keep them both um keep them both together he he was a, he was a he is a true human who lived out a truly human experience he's also 100 percent god um and those things are true right, so let me ask so let me yeah let's dive into that piece a little bit so uh, one thing I want to try to unpack a little bit is and this comes from Philippians 2 language, which we talked about on Sunday morning, you know, this idea of him emptying himself, right? So this idea of, okay, what does it mean that he emptied himself? So we know that it means, we know that it doesn't mean that he emptied himself of his divinity. He still was God in human flesh, the incarnation. So we get that piece. But I think the emptying probably included more than sometimes we think. So continue to unpack this idea of the switch on and off. Here's what I mean. There was a, a, a significant piece where Jesus, when he does these miracles as a man, he's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to give him the ability to perform these miracles. So un, unpack that and how that kind of works together to help us think through these misconceptions that we might have. Yeah, I remember one professor telling me that that we, we kind of thought, like a lot of people think that Jesus, the miracles that Jesus is performing is kind of like, um, if you've ever, the, the the Christian group, the power team that used to go around and they would say, you know, let me, let me show you how awesome the spirit is. And they'd rip phone books in half and break Louisville sluggers over their legs. And and so that there's a lot of people who think, again, that using that Hulk analogy, where it's like, okay, Jesus at these different times in his ministry wants to prove, Hey, I want you guys to know I'm God. So here, let me raise somebody from the dead here. Let me calm the sea. Let me walk on the water. And so I'm doing these things to prove that I'm God. The problem with that is that like, I mean, there were people who raised the dead and called down fire from heaven and, and, you know, set wild bears loose on kids and all this stuff in the old Testament. And there are even the new Testament, you've got, you've got Peter and, 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 uh, and Paul who are able to do incredible miracles and so we can't say that the, the performing of miracles is proof that somebody is divine. It's proof that, that for Jesus, the reason why he's doing these miracles is he, he's wanting to show people these signs that prove he is the Messiah and the kingdom is, is breaking into human existence. And he's giving you a preview of that kingdom, that in, that, in his kingdom, uh, man has control over nature. And in his kingdom, there's no death. And in his kingdom, there's no blindness and, and deafness. And so it's not this, this thing where he's like switching on and say, okay, let me show you I'm divine. He's showing you, Hey, here's what, here's what a human life fully dependent upon the spirit uh, is able to do. And the reason why I'm fully dependent on the spirit is because I'm, I am the son of God. I am 
you know, I am the Messiah. I'm the son of David. And that's how, uh, and that's why he's proving those things with these signs. So uh, I would say that, that in terms of, we definitely overplay the divine side sometimes, but, and there are texts that, that clearly push back against that where, where, where Jesus will say, Hey, the, the son of man does not know the hour, uh, you know, when the end's going to happen. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that fully. Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. But what it means is in some ways, Jesus, uh, as he's God in human flesh, is um, Philippians 2 language. There are certain, however you described it in your sermon, I mean, um, he emptied himself of his glory. He yeah. emptied himself of the, um, he set aside the free, use of his some of his divine attributes for a season you know those those kinds of things it's clear that that's what he's that that's what he's doing um and so yeah i think i think we have to we have to understand for for, for non-christians it's going to be this tendency to, to explain everything that jesus did from a human from a human perspective and, and to doubt miracles and those kind of things from the church side from the from a faith side it's the, the challenge for us is going to be that, that he literally did live a, a genuine human existence like you. He was, he, he was tempted in every way as you are yet without sin. Uh, he, he lived a, in a human, ex, a genuine human, human existence. It wasn't like fake and he wasn't playing a role. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we said similar language in our sermon. Yeah. Into himself of his glory. He into himself of the comfort of, you know, his, his position of power in heaven and all these things to come down as a, as a, as a human as a human and and he didn't come down as a in the form of a sovereign he came in the form of a servant right ordinary mm -hmm. normal guy right that, that that did have to rely on the spirit uh the, the spirit of god uh so i uh, one other word i want to one other thing i want to hit on so you mentioned um this heresy known as arianism so that's early church history, Arianism, nowadays it's in its modern form, you mentioned it, is Jehovah's Witnesses, this idea that Jesus, uh, that really God the Son is a created being. There was a time when the Son was not, according to that heresy, we would say, no, the Son has always been, always is, and always will be. Uh, so, but there's a word in the Bible, it's another name can be hard for people, and it's that word, begotten. And so it's this idea that Jesus Christ was begotten. So it helped us understand what does that word mean help us understand what that phrase is really referring to when it comes to christ yeah i think i think um th that the, the arian controversy does come down to some of that some of that language mm -hmm. but begotten john 3 the only begotten is monogenese and and it and it the only like it, it it signifies that he is in a unique relationship to the father and a special relationship to the father like the same language is used of Isaac in um, when, when, you know, take, take your son, your only son, whom you love and, and sacrifice him. Well, I mean, Abraham had another son, uh, yeah. Ishmael. Yeah. And so, uh, but this is a special, unique, you know, he's the, he's the, 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 the firstborn, the heir. Um, and so I think, I think begotten heir is used of Jesus clearly because, because we understand from these texts that, that he is eternal that he was not begotten. I mean, the, the, the Jehovah's Witness thing—they have to um, butcher the Greek language in John one and to say, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and they they say the Word was a God, yeah. and they have to butcher the Greek there to get that translation. Um, 
And so the, the, the New Testament is clear that Jesus, the, the Son of God, is eternal. Uh, and so the begotten language is talking about the, sp the special relationship that the Son has with the Father. So is begotten a similar word to preeminent? Or are they different? Begotten? I would say they're, 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 I think preeminent is a little bit different. Um, preeminent is talking about his exaltation okay. and his place in terms of not, 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 I would say preeminent is talking about his place within creation, within the universe, within the cosmos. Uh, and then, and then, and then monogenes and begotten is, is talking about his place in terms of his relationship to the father. Okay. All right. Uh, very good. Very, very helpful. Um, okay. So with some of these, so with these misconceptions in mind that we've talked about, can you give us a, if I were to say, Hey, summarize for us kind of in a helpful, simple way, who Jesus Christ truly is. How would you give, give us a mm -hmm. biblical Orthodox Christian summary of the, of, of Jesus? Let me give two more uh, false views because um, I've, I've given some of the secular views, but then, then I'll give you that. So okay. Mormonism has a, so Mormonism has a false view where they basically, Jesus is divine, but he's not different from Satan is also divine and you can become a God. And, and so he's not, and then like Islam, he's a, he's a prophet and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's revered in, in certain ways, but he's not, he's not God. He didn't, I don't think he died on the cross, you I know, mean, those kinds of things. So those are, those are some other contemporary errors, but Jesus, so, so the son of God, we're talking about Christology. So, so the son of God, I mean, God is triune God, um, you know, three persons, one Godhead, and the son of God, the second person of the Trinity it, it has existed eternally. Okay, Every, as Dad says, everything that makes God God, the Son is, uh, and the Son, it, John one and other texts is is creating the world, is upholding the oh, Hebrews one, upholding the world with the word of His power. So He is a the preexistent Son that has existed in eternity past. Okay, and God's plan to redeem the world and to bring the world back to Him was to was to send His Son in human flesh, and so. Uh, Galatians 4, uh, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, and so he's really human, born under the law, so he's a Jew, to redeem those who are under the law, so we might receive adoption as sons. So, so God chose to send his son, that's the incarnation, so you know we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus is born in human flesh, he, he lives a genuine human existence, as we said, he grows up, he learns, um, he, he, you know, he becomes a man, he gets educated, all, all those different things. Um, but he lives a sinless life. He never, he never sins even one time. And, um, it is, it is clear to him at some point, you know, and again, this makes people uneasy. It becomes clear to him. He, he, he knows who he is, at least by the time he's 12, whatever when they're going up to the temple he you know i'm going to be about my father's business so he he knows who he is that that, that is reaffirmed at his baptism when the voice comes from heaven this is my beloved son and i'm well pleased listen to him um and but he, so he lives a sinless life and he recognizes that his mission because he keeps saying my hour has not yet come that his mission is to die on the cross uh for the sins of the world um uh, and so jesus is God in human flesh, born of a virgin, okay, uh, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross in the place of sinners, is raised from the dead three days later, 
um, teaches his uh, his followers to, that he's going to be leaving, but when he leaves, he's going to send his spirit to live inside of them and they're to go out and to preach the good news of what he's done for humanity so that forgiveness, you know, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be taught in his name in all nations beginning in Jerusalem. He ascends into heaven after about 40 days of teaching his uh, followers and preparing them for the mission that they, ha they have. He's, he's seated at the right hand of the father in heaven um, we know this because Stephen, for example, when he's being stoned to death, looks into heaven, he sees the son of man sitting at the right hand of God, and he's going to return, uh, someday in power and glory and defeat his enemies, rescue his people and establish his, his kingdom. And, and so he's going to, he's going to, uh, perform a, a, a new creation. And then he's going to bring heaven down to earth and there's going to be uh, we're going to live forever. Those who believe in him are going to live forever with him in a, in a perfect new heavens and new earth. Okay. That's, that's probably the best yeah, most, <laughs> most succinct summary I can give. Yeah. Uh, well, he's kind of, he, he's obviously kind of a big deal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. no. Okay, so one thing I want to hit on there, you mentioned sinless. Okay. So he was, he was mm -hmm. sinless. Let me ask this question. It's a question that I did not have the chance to answer, uh, when I, when we preached on Jesus, um, on Sunday morning, I wanted to, didn't have a chance to answer it. So answer this question. Was it possible for Jesus to sin? And again, this is kind of where we get it into the, are you going to put more on his humanity? Are you going to put more on his deity? What are you going to put more on? Or are you going to try to be middle? Like, was it possible for Jesus to sin? What's your answer? I think it's a difficult question to answer. I think so. So dad's kind of cop out answer is that it was possible, but it was certain that he would not. Is that Millard, um, which I think a, Millard, a theologian named Millard Erickson Yes. Uh, for those of you that are listening, who wrote a, a great book on many books, but one on systematic theology mm -hmm. as a statement that Millard Erickson has made as well, that it was I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Okay. I think it's possible for him to sin because I think I think You're that the temptations the he would not peace. Huh? You're leaving off the certain he would not peace. I mean it's it's okay, it, it, it I I, I think it's certain that he would, not, it depends on how you define certain that he would not certain that he would not in that, in that God, you know, is God's sovereign and he is, you know, he foreknows everything. And so he, so he knows and has declared and has ordained what's going to happen. So like, so like it's certain in terms of like any prophecy that's made, that's, that's fulfilled. It's certain that, that that's going to happen. Right. And so at that level, yeah, it, it was certain that he would not because God's plans are not going to be thwarted. But I think the temptation was a genuine temptation in the same way that I think I, and a lot of the emphasis is put on the, the wilderness thing with Satan. But I think even think about the garden, like he's 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 really wrestling with going to the cross and yeah. and with and he has to he has to steal himself in that moment. It's, you know, it's not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think, I think it's possible. I, I, I wouldn't, I would not, I would not quibble with that phrase though. It, he was not going to sin. Yeah. Um, it's a great phrase. It possible. It's a great phrase. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so some of us, you know, us preachers, we like these little <laughs> distinct pithy statements. It's a fantastic phrase, but um, okay. Very good. No, that's, that, that's how, cause you know, you have some out there that say, well, if it wasn't possible for him to sin that he wasn't genuinely human right because all humans sin right. well that's a misunderstanding of humanity because we weren't really created by god to be sinners we were actually in an abnormal no. 
Right. Yeah. We're in an abnormal state now when we are. Yeah. So, so, but uh, good, good question. Okay. I'm going to end this episode with this last question. This may take you a second. Uh, I think the thing that John does the best, or at least where John has impacted and influenced me uh, the most as a pastor, thinker, preacher is what we call his hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is essentially the way that you study and interpret the Bible. Okay. And he, and he uh, has what we call a Christocentric hermeneutic, this hermeneutic where Jesus is at the center of the scriptures. Um, so I want John to take the last couple minutes of the podcast. We got into, we got into most of what I want to ask, but this is the key piece. So I want John to help us think through what does it mean to practically uh, have a Christocentric hermeneutic, the way that you study and interpret the Bible. So John, go ahead and kind of wrap us up with that and I'll conclude this. Yes, it's the simple, the simple definition of just, is just saying that the entire Bible is about Jesus. And so every um, story passage that you read is going to be pointing you to Jesus in some way. And so um, there are different ways that the, the Bible does this, okay, throughout the Old and New Testament. And so if it's, if it's stories like historical narrative, there's going to be things that are called pattern types or patterns that are going to point you to Jesus. And so, uh, you know, when you see uh, the people in Numbers 21 being bitten by snakes and they're dying and Moses, you know, praise the Lord and the Lord says, fashion a bronze serpent and lift it up. Anybody who looks at the bronze serpent, you know, it's bitten is going to live. And then Jesus in John 3 says, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so some man's going to be lifted up. Everyone who believes in him will, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Like, um, and so you have these patterns like the Passover lamb and, um, you know, the, um, the temple, the kings, the priests, the, these kind of things, the sacrifices are types that point to Jesus and what he's going to do in his life, ministry, death, resurrection. And then you have uh, prophecies like direct prophecies we've talked about that, that prophesy about Jesus and the Messiah. And then you have uh, Psalms, for example, that there you have a, the psalmist experience of suffering or having enemies attack him or whatever, like David's genuine experience that he's he's you know expressing this in, in worship to god but it points to jesus as as the new testament will say psalm 16 and psalm 22 and these these psalms about the righteous sufferer they point to jesus and what's going to happen at the cross and so uh just just real i mean simple it's just every passage every type of literature every book uh in the old and new testament the main theme of the whole book is jesus that he's the He's the center. And if you're, if you're wanting to learn like kind of like a simple way to, to, to start dipping your toe into this and figuring out how it works, I would encourage you to read Sally Lloyd-Jones children's Bible called the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, which is really helpful. Uh, and also Edmund Clowney's The Unfolding Mystery um, are just kind of like, like I think teenagers and, and, you know, above could read these books and be helped by them. Um, and so that, that'd just be a couple of ways to, to jump, to jump into it, but it just, the whole, the whole Bible is about Jesus. So every passage that you're reading is going to point you to Jesus in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll put those two books, we'll put links to those and we try to, in the show notes, you can click on them, go to Amazon or whatever, purchase those. Jesus Story Bible is a Bible I've used with my, my kids and, and takes it. Right. very, very, very well done. I know John's done the same. Many families in our church have done that. And then. The Unfolding Mystery is a great book as well. And it is simple enough to where even a quote-unquote layman uh, could read it and, and understand it well. And so 
you know, for me, this was a very important way. Uh, this was just very informative and this is very impactful for me because it, for me, simplified the Bible. You know, the Bible, 66 books, covers, you know, thousands of years, you know, all these different writers, all these different people. I mean, when you begin to simplify it, say, well, it's really about one person. It's not you. Okay. Well, a lot of times we think it's us. It's not us. It's about Jesus. It really helps exalt him. It helps us understand the scriptures better. And when he says every passage, it doesn't mean that you're going to see the name Jesus right in the Old Testament. What you're going to see, though, is this foreshadowing, this pointing to, this exalting of Jesus, um, these themes that you're going to see uh, in the scriptures. And so like one, you know, I remember one of the first ones that I was here and John was a key part of me helping think, helping me think through this was I preached through David and Goliath. And one of the things I said on the Wednesday night was, hey, the key takeaway here is not that God overcomes your giants, right? The giants in your life. Although I know that makes us feel good. So it's a, it's a sweet application. But that's, that's not what it's about. You know, instead, even David and Goliath, right, ultimately points us to Christ. And there's this really cool part in David and Goliath where when David defeats Goliath, he chops his head off. Well, when you think about the fact that Jesus Christ dies on the cross and he dies in a place called Golgotha, a place called the skull, it's this idea of the serpent, the Satan's head being crushed, Satan being defeated. And the fact that it's likely that Goliath had a uh, serpent on his helmet, you know, kind of thing. It is. Again, these foreshadowings, these ideas of even these Old Testament stories pointing you to Jesus Christ and, and what he has done. It's just, man, it just makes the text that much more powerful uh, and, 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 and uh, exalts Jesus. So John does a great job of that. I encourage you guys to do that. You can also go listen to his sermons. He always does it really well uh, when, he, uh, when he preaches. So uh, right now he's at First Baptist Naples. You can always jump on there and, uh, and listen to those. So. All right, John, very, very helpful. We'll have John back with us next week when we talk about salvation. So looking forward to that. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us today on the All In Podcast. John, appreciate you being on here. Enjoyed it. Thanks. See you.